You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. They thought of me as being one of the greatest background singers there was. So to be able to be on their records, they was like wonderful. I mean, they respected me for the talent that I had. Singer, actress, Darlene Love. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Success as a backup singer or studio musician can often lead to a successful solo career. But in the case of Darlene Love in the 1960s, that road to a solo success was a bumpy road to say the very least. Now, even though she was one of the most popular and one of the most in-demand backup singers of the 60s, singing with some of the biggest stars of the day, Darlene Love's path to success was littered with obstacles, not least of which was producer Phil Spector. Oh, and by the way, even if you think you may have never heard one of Darlene Love's songs, you probably have seen her in one of the Lethal Weapon movies, in which she appeared alongside co-star Danny Glover. Well, as the 1990s were drawing to a close, Darlene Love wrote her autobiography. And that's when I had the chance to meet her. So here now from 1998, Darlene Love. You know, for years, if you've been an entertainer, people always say, oh, girl, you got so many stories, because, you know, I start telling stories to people, you know, on the road, if you're sitting backstage, and I tell them about a story about Tom Jones, and a story about Elvis, or Dion, or Aretha, or whoever, and they go, girl, you got too much information, you need to write a book. (laughs) And um, that's one of the reasons I decided I was going to write a book one day. I just didn't know when I was going to write this book, uh, hopefully before I died, <laughs> so I could leave something. And uh, it really, I really wanted to write it to help me and to help other people, because my book is uh, almost about, what it really is about is about survival in the business of show business, without having to get on drugs or having to become an alcoholic or, you know, any of those kind of things. And I ended up surviving. Somebody had written about your book, and, and, and they said, you know, a lot of artists have had suffered through bad luck, bad timing, bad material, bad advice. And they said, meet Darlene Love. <laughs> you know, Here's the picture. You know, I mean, I mean but, but, you know, surprisingly, after having read that, and then now I read your book, there's not a single word of blame or, or responsibility shifting, or sour grapes, or anything. There's nothing negative in your book. Why is that? Try. You try, because a lot of the decisions were made by me, too. So I have to take some of the blame for a lot of the decisions that were made. Uh, bad managers, those were my decisions to have those managers. And I have this kind of thing that I just stay with people. Well, they like me, and they're going to help me one day. So I stay, and I stay, and I stay. And by a stay, it can be like eight years later. Then you try to find another manager. Then you stay and stay and stay and stay. And that has been my biggest problems, being with people who really didn't do anything for me. They did something for a little while, you know, when everybody was excited. Yes, I have darling love. But when they had to work for me, they stopped working. They stopped doing anything. When the phone isn't ringing, they didn't do anything. Of course, I also talked to two or three people and told them you were coming in today, and uh, their reaction was along the lines of, darling love, and then they'd say, Phil Spector. You could see their whole body start to <laughs> shake like this. You know? like, it's it just it, the, the memories after all these years among your fans of what was done to you mm-hmm. 
still just I, apparently rankles a lot of people. It does because it it didn't make any sense of what he did. When I went when I first met Phil Spector and went into the recording studio to record He's a Rebel, I went in the studio knowing I was recording this song and it was going to be under somebody else's name. That's a choice I made. I had been a background singer for years and I had been singing for other producers. This is going to be a number one record, you know, yeah, 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 and... You say, yeah, and that never happened. So I figured, same thing with Phil Spector. <laughs> you know, only this record went to number one. Sold a lot of records. And in the interim, he wanted me to record other records. And I said, now, hold on a minute. Wait a minute. Now, we have to have recording contract. Now, this is not going to make any sense for me to go in again with you and not have a recording contract. And he said, well, okay. And he fudged around and fudged around. And, you know, we went into the studio to do, do Run Run. Uh, you know, and this was going to be another Crystal record, and I said, I don't think so. So I actually left the studio. I started recording it, and actually in the middle of the record, he had enough to have a couple of leads down, and uh, I left the studio. And uh, so we didn't do Do Run Run. And I come back into the studio again after I signed my contract with Phil Spector, and we do a song with Bobby Sox in the Blue Jeans. And I had a contract for that. And then we go back in, and he said, you're going to do the first Darling Love record, which he didn't like my name at the time, which was Darling Wright, and I didn't mind. One of the great things he did for me, he gave me the name Love. And uh, we went in to record the first Darling Love release, which was He's Sure the Boy I Love, mm -hmm. which riding down the street in my car, the radio comes on, it's like, the next million seller from the Crystals, and I'm going, wow, the Crystals haven't, I didn't even know they had recorded. Oh, okay. I'm just sitting there listening, was like, He's sure the boy I love. And I went, hold it. And not only did I not know it, but the, the musicians in the studio, the, the, um, you know, the engineer, everybody was there doing the record. Oh, darling, this is going to be great. What a great record for you. You know, it came out great. Can't wait for it to be put out. And then when they found out the same way I did, that it was a Crystal record, everybody was kind of like dumbfounded. Well, the Crystals didn't even know, did they? No. <laughs> they didn't even know, and, and he's a rebel. Gene Pitney tells the story because he wrote He's a Rebel. And he tells the story of actually being out on the road with the real crystals and him actually teaching them the song because they didn't have a clue that the record was even out. All they knew the record was a number one record and they had never heard the record before in their lives. But this is the way Phil did things, isn't it? Exactly. And he didn't care. See, I tell people all the time, Phil Spector was not interested in making stars. He was making a life for himself as a great producer, but he didn't care anything about his artists. But still, I mean, Phil Spector aside, yes. I, I got to tell you, when I got to the end, and I thought I knew quite a bit. I mean, one of the stations I do the news for is Oldies 100. I mean, we're, you know, we, we play stuff all the time. Uh -huh. But I was astounded at the stuff in here that I didn't know had your voice on it. It's just going right on down the list. I mean, there's, there's songs I hear every single day that have your voice on it. You know, uh, uh, Brown Eyed Woman, Unchained Melody, you know, the, the Shoop Shoop song, <laughs> Be My Baby. I just, I, I, I'm astounded at my own ignorance that I didn't know that there, there was you on it. But there was no way for you to know that. We were all in the studio doing these records. They didn't know, you know, at the time when... Phil Spector was recording the, the Righteous Brothers. He'd call us in to do the background. If he was called, doing a Ronettes record, the Ronettes were on the record, but then he'd want more of a sound on it, so he'd call us in to do it. 
you know, and those were, that was the days they did all of that. You know, not like Phil did it, because I've never known an artist to be signed to a record company and they put a record out under somebody else's name. Now, I didn't know anybody that that was happening to. They record a record for a contract and they put your record out under your name. They may not pay you, but at least the record is out and under your name. That's what happened to the fall of Darling Love because I had been recording under the Crystals, under Bobby Sox and the Blue Jeans, and their records were actually bigger than the Darling Love records. So when I went out to try to work, I couldn't go out as the Crystals or Bobby Sox, but I didn't want to. So therefore, the promoters couldn't find work for me. So it lasted for a couple of months, and then, boof, gone. Well, we, nobody will hire her. So now back under the heading Bad Timing <laughs> again. Under the heading Bad Timing. Mm -hmm. Finally get your album. It's going to be the Darlene Love. This is, this is it. You're going to break through November 22nd, 1963. Mm -hmm. I mean, could, you, could you ask for worse timing? No. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, Not at you, all. Just, you just haven't gotten that many breaks. That's right. I hadn't. But you know what? It was, thank God, I had God in my life and my, my uh, religious upbringing. My father was a minister and a pastor of a church, and that's what has held my life together. Even at my lowest points, I tell people all the time, hey, God was speaking, but I wasn't listening, <laughs> or I was ignoring what he was saying. You know, and that hurt too. You know, if he's trying to lead you and guide you somewhere, you don't want to listen. Whose fault is that? I was taking a lot of t bad turns and doing a whole lot of wrong things. And the reason why you can't place the guilt on no one particular person, I was making these choices too. I was actually recording with Phil Spector. I mean, and even after he did it to me once, you go back in and he did it again. Well, maybe he won't do it this time. You know, hope beyond hope. <laughs> After this short break, what many people know Darlene Love for besides her music. Now back to my 1998 conversation with Darlene Love. When any backup performer makes a decision to go out on their own and try to make a name for themselves, that's a big leap. That's, that's, that's an enormous, it's, it's a leap of faith, if you will. It is a leap of faith because um, Bill Medley, one of the Righteous Brothers, helped me actually put a show together. And he said, you know, doll, you haven't really given yourself a shot at being a solo artist. So either let's do it now and see what happens. And what happened, like I said before, it was okay for a while. But then when I couldn't find any work, and then when I tried to go back to do background work, it wasn't there anymore because a lot of the bands had started using their own singers, and, you know, so it wasn't, it was a little work, but not enough to survive on. So the next thing I had to do was, ha, 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 I had to go and clean people's houses. That's, that's the thing. I mean, you're, you're the, the opening chapter of this book, it, it's almost like the first scene in a, in a big flashy movie, mm -hmm. which I hope someday it will be. Yes. <laughs> We're working on that, too. <laughs> it, it was, it, it, the, the chapter, the, the, the introduction, it just it, it blew me away. Mm -hmm. When I realized, when you got to the punchline, as it were, of, of the setup, when I realized why you were in this big house, I thought, right. good golly, what happened? Mm -hmm. And it just... It, <laughs> I couldn't not read the rest of the book then. I, mean, I had to figure out how you got there. Those kind of things are, are devastating to people if they don't have anything to really hold on to. I mean, and, and I say the only thing that could take you out of situations like that is your faith in God. I mean, somebody bigger than you and anybody else around you. You know he's there to help you. You just have to get to the place where you say, okay, you got it. I'm leaning on you. You take care of it. Because if you don't have anything else, 
nobody else. At this time, my, my marriage had broken up. My children were getting in trouble with the law. And that's all in the book. You know, and my sons, everybody, you know, they know I, I put this in the book. But where does your strength come from after that? And then I was dating Bill Medley, one of the Righteous Brothers, for a couple of years. And that romance went sour, too. Everything happened, was happening one month something happened, then next month something else would happen. So it was like getting worse and worse. And I was telling my husband not too long ago, you know what, you can only lay on the floor and look at feet for so long. There's nothing else to look at at the bottom but people's feet and the dirt. You have to get to the self where you have to pick yourself up and then try to get your, you know, when you're in those kind of situations, your mind doesn't work. It just gets worse and things look worse and worse. But if you try to pick yourself up, then you can start creating things. And that's actually what I started doing. Like, okay, I have a talent, God-given talent. Phil didn't give me this talent. You know, these people didn't give me. They have nothing to do. I still have my voice. Okay, let me see. What's the next job I can do? Where can I go? What can I do? And then when you start thinking, getting your mind to start to work, you know, then you can be creative. But as long as you're waddling down here, you can't be creative. <laughs> well, what, 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 is it, what does it make you think or what does it make you feel like when, especially younger people come up to you and say, I love you in those Lethal Weapon movies. They have no conception of your life of 30 years ago. They have no idea that there was a whole other darling love back then. They just know you because you're famous for the movies. I'm, but you know what's wonderful about that that I found over the last 12 years, because that's when we did the first Lethal Weapon, that I have a whole new brand new life and I have a whole lot of new fans. And especially since the first one happened 12 years ago, those fans that were young are 12 years older now and they have found out that I'm a singer and that I do do other things that I have a whole new group of people hanging with me now which is wonderful mm. you, do, you, you are marvelous in those movies I must say. <laughs> thank you I also, I also have to say you, you don't look like you could have been around to be, have been singing 35 years ago this, is, you know, this, this makes me in, incredibly jealous that I was just I mean I mean I Bless was telling somebody the other day, I said, I didn't have anything to do with it. It was my mama and my dad. <laughs> that, they just picked the right couple. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it true your dad couldn't sing? Could not sing a note. He was a great <laughs> preacher. But, Lord, when they used to have to play for him, they'd say he was in between the keys. And they'd go, bang, bang, bing, bing, you know. But he, he, he could was, preach. Well, it was, it was good training for you when you later had to say, tell Sonny Bono. Eh. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> go, go get some glass of water or something. Right. <laughs> we'll finish this song now. But, exactly. Uh, you, you have, you've got one picture in here. I, got to, I, I have to confess, when I, the first day I got the book before I started reading it, I was Read the, the pictures, pictures That's right. The pictures first. <laughs> exactly. And the picture just blew me away. It, 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 it was such that, that last night I was showing my fiancé <laughs> on the couch. Yes. I, I covered up the caption and said, Who's that? She said, <laughs> she said, boy, she sure looks familiar. I said, and then I uncovered, she said, that's Cher? <laughs> 16 years old. Wow. It's a, but but just, some, just the list of people that you have sung with. Yeah. Is so, it could fill a whole other book. You know what was great with the people that I worked with? I was really blessed to be able to work with them on their own level because they thought of me as being one of the greatest background singers there was. So to be able to be on their records... 
they was like wonderful. I mean, I had a relationship and still do with like Nancy Sinatra. I got to meet Frank because of Nancy Sinatra and I was on the road with Nancy Sinatra for a couple of years. Tom Jones, Elvis Presley, all those people were, you know, uh, just regular people. I got to see them with no makeup on, you know, everyday looking, you know, you go to their houses to rehearse and things like that. So I was blessed to be able to they not treat me like, uh, please sit over here, we'll call you when we're ready. You know what I mean? They respected me for the talent that I had. I just feel like I'm just so blessed. You know, when the time comes, you know, you have to think, you have to be ready. You know what I mean? When it comes, if you believe and have faith that it's going to come, you have to be ready when it comes. I went to court. I sued Phil Spector. I won. You, I mean, have you, you know, see, have you seen a penny of that money yet? Though? Not yet, but that's okay. You know what? Because you know what? We can only go back seven years. We couldn't go back all the way to '63. You know, so but the seven years that I could go back is when he has made a lot of money off of me because all my songs have been in movies and in commercials and in commercials. <laughs> so you know, I proved that I had a recording contract, and that's what he was trying to disprove. I don't know why she didn't go and sing for somebody else. I didn't have a contract with her. Yeah. So, you know, good things come to those who wait. And they're coming, man, and they're coming in boatloads right now. Oh, happy day. <laughs> Darlene Love is 82 now. She was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2011. And you can get a copy of My Name is Love by Darlene Love by clicking on the link in our show notes or by going to our website, heardeverything.com. And that is where you'll also hear my 1990 interview with somebody else who knew Phil Spector pretty well. My interview with Rami Spector. Even when I see the videos and the tapes of Hullabaloo, Shindig, it's like, who's that girl? But I love it because it was so much fun. In the 60s, when we, with all the twists and the, the jerk, all these dances going around, it was so much fun. And my 1994 conversation with Martha Reeves. We were in love with one another. We sang songs and crooned to one another and just fell in love. There are a lot of children walking around today that I consider Motown babies because we sang about love. And of course, we post new episodes of Now I've Heard Everything every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, can you lie, cheat, or steal and still think of yourself as a good person? Well, maybe you can, maybe you can't. My 2012 interview with behavioral economist Dan Ariely. Because of our flexible cognitive skill, as long as we cheat just a little bit, we can benefit from cheating just a little bit and still think of ourselves as honest people. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. 